Welcome to the Front Porch Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in today, and today we're joined by Amanda Montanez. Amanda, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. How are y'all? Good. good. It's good to have you, and Amanda's here to share her testimony with us today. Amanda, just start out telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. Okay, Uh, very, very big question. Originally born in Puerto Rico, so part of my family is Puerto Rican. And I lived there for about three years, so I was about three, and then we moved to the United States and um, with my mom's side of the family. And um, God called my dad to be a pastor, so I'm a pastor's kid, and I've been a pastor's kid all my life. Um, So we traveled, well, we lived in multiple different states because of my dad's position and just where God was calling him, where he was Mm -hmm. leading him. And so about every four years we moved. So that was tough as we got a little bit older, just because making friends and losing friends with the not staying uh, connected and then having to make new friends again. Mm -hmm. And I guess one benefit was that we were homeschooled. And so it wasn't that we were going to school, making a lot of friends, but you know, it was just the three um, older of us siblings. Mm So I'm second oldest and I have a sister. She's the oldest and it's me. And then it's my brother, Josh. And um, of course, now I have a younger brother, Gabriel, who's what, 13 years younger than I am. So yeah. And then uh, we moved here when I was about to start uh, ninth grade. And uh, we've lived here ever since. So we've lived here the longest we've ever lived anywhere. So that's been nice. And it's been good to um, kind of have some roots and be established and grow up um, in one place. Yeah. So it's good to have a place that you put some roots down. Mm -hmm. So what is your, uh, as you grew up, Obviously, if your dad was called to the ministry, you were in church um, Mm -hmm. as a child. So what are your memories of little girl Amanda (laughs) in church? What do you remember? Oh, yeah. So I actually don't remember a whole lot. Um, The earlier stages being in church, I remember our church in uh, Puyallup, Washington, Washington State. And we lived there for about two years, and then we moved to uh, Lakewood. So it's also in Washington State. So that's when I started remembering the most. What I remember most about being in Lakewood is that we would have church on Sunday evenings. And um, so church on Sunday morning, church on Sunday evening. Mm So we were in church. Um, Of course, my dad's office was in the church. And sometimes we would go to the church, and uh, we would just my siblings and I and maybe the neighbor kids that lived in the house behind the church and uh, believe it or not like we were those heathen pastor kids (laughs) that would take the air freshener and run up and down the hallways and have air freshener fights Um, (laughs) so that's what I remember that was very aromatic (laughs) very very aromatic multiple scents Um, so we just thought that that was the funniest thing we thought that was great I remember specifically my sister could tell you this too um, I remember specifically when on Sunday, um, mom stayed home. I don't know if she was sick or Josh was sick, but Kali and I had to go to church with dad. So we sat on the front pew, of course, so he could monitor us while he's preaching. And we were just giggling, 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 laughing, not behaving. And so in the middle of the service, he had to stop and to <laughs> discipline us and tell us to behave and sit there quietly. Um, so that was almost kind of embarrassing for us. But yeah, it was funny. There was no children's church at that church, right? There was not. <laughs> not at that time. Although there, I do remember um, a vacation Bible school or two uh, yeah. while we were there. So, yeah. yeah. So 
you know, we grow up, um, we go to church because our parents took us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, was there a time in your younger years, who was Jesus to you in those days? Like, I know sometimes later in life we get a deeper revelation of who he is, but who was Jesus to you as a child? Yeah, that's a good question. I'll be honest, I don't know that I have that I know how to answer that as far as when I think back on my life, I don't think of well, this may sound terrible, but I don't think of Jesus as anything except for I knew that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, yeah. and that's who he was. Yeah. Which I think for me at that age, like I kind of knew what that meant, just basically, like I know what it, what it meant literally to die on a cross and, and Jesus died for my sins. Yeah. But I, other than that, like I don't think it meant anything else to me. Same. Like, yeah, yeah. right. So and it's okay. That was that's there's no wrong answer. Mm-hmm. But what's beautiful about that is you were building a foundation mm-hmm. on which you would live your life on. Um, that's a beautiful thing when parents take your kids to church and not just take them to church, but they teach them as they walk along. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. as Scripture tells us, and as in their homes. You might find this interesting that um, sometimes on Sunday afternoons or um, maybe on the weekends, because we didn't always have church in the evening, but we had a barn out like a shed. Uh-huh. You know out back of our house <laughs> and we would play church <laughs> so um, who preached i think my sister <laughs> that's awesome um, yeah isn't that great and of course josh was one of the members and i was a member but i would sing at least i think or at least i was just another member of the church and my sister would come around at the frisbee and take the offering <laughs> and um my parents room was on the back side of the house and so if their window was open they could hear us and so <laughs> <laughs> my dad could tell you that so that's great that's a yeah. great story yeah. yeah that's really cool when you go back and just see like you were acting out something that you were doing what your dad was doing mm-hmm. you know and I have a memory too that I, <laughs> I, but I took my doll babies I was the youngest I, me and Gabriel talked about this we were that younger child mm-hmm. after three siblings so I would put all of my doll babies in the front steps of our home and I would preach to them as a little girl preaching you know probably that wasn't exactly probably what I was supposed to be doing at that time um but God gave me that vision reminder of that um about a month or so after I was ordained so yeah that's really cool to just think back to where God had us as kids and what he had us doing so what fast forward maybe your teenage years you have anything you want to share with us? Any like highlighted moments? Any highlighted moments? Well, I guess that's when we started, or just personally speaking, um, getting involved in the youth group. So mm-hmm. I remember that I used to help Heidi Dev a lot. Um, and I don't know if any of the other youth used to do that, but I was still a high schooler, but I loved like helping Heidi mm-hmm. with whatever yeah. like tasks that might be. Went on a few mission trips, did a few service projects, and of course that was cool. And I think that's great because that helps you grow in your walk with Christ and spiritually. I think it gives younger kids an opportunity to grow like outside of their home Mm -hmm. um, in a positive way. So I think where I really began to see God grow and change my heart was after uh, coming back from NYC, Snazarene Mm -hmm. Youth Conference. And we, our group, had gone to Texas, um, which I think was the best. And just coming back, my dad took my sister and I out to lunch, and he asked us, so like, uh, you know, as a good father would, like, what do you feel that God is doing? And of course, I think that at that age, like most people don't, most 
youth don't hear that question or don't get asked that question. Mm -hmm. And I think that's helpful because it helps us to think. And I felt a little like, I wouldn't say sad, but like, I just wasn't sure like what God was doing, but I clearly remember my answer and why I remember this. I don't know because it wasn't super detailed at all, but just that I just want to be okay with what, whatever God wants to do. Something like that. Which I think is really powerful now that I think about Mm -hmm. it, because one, most youth don't say that (laughs) ever. Uh, Maybe you might say that when you get older into ministry or your relationship is deeper with Christ. But And I actually didn't think about that till this moment, that how powerful that is for someone that age. And let's see, I was sophomore, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, that was really a statement of surrender Mm -hmm. for you. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well... Amanda, you shared about, you know, growing up in the church as a pastor's daughter, and I can relate growing up as a pastor's kid. And we grew up a little bit together in part of our our lives, Grayson, at the younger ages. Yep. Uh, Our dads went to Bible college together in Colorado Springs. Uh, I think we were probably like kindergarten, first grade, that, you know, age, Mm -hmm. around that age. And then, uh, like you said, high school is when you guys moved to Virginia when your dad joined the pastoral staff here. And so, yeah, we have actually last week when we did Gabriel's testimony, I mentioned, I remember dad calling your dad to be on staff here mm-hmm. and asking him what he was doing. And he said, rocking the baby. And <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we uh, definitely go way back and mm-hmm. went to high school together. Yep, and uh, uh, I was going to ask, you were sharing, and I think you kind of answered this, but if there's anything else you want to add to that, I was going to ask when you made the decision for yourself personally about asking Christ into your life or following him or growing deeper, you shared about NYC, but just kind of when, you know, anything else that stuck out to you other than that experience at NYC, and I remember going that year, I know we yeah. went uh, Houston, Texas, I believe is where it was that mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question, Grayson. Thank you. So I've often thought that same question, like when specifically did I say yes to Jesus? And I have to be honest, I don't think that I have like a specific point other than just mentioning uh, what I did about NYC uh, or having coming back in the conversation with my dad when he took us out to um Chinese restaurant. I can't remember. But um yeah, I always ask myself that question, like when specifically did I say yes to Jesus. And because I could never like come up with a specific point, I always kind of felt a little guilty about that. But then I just came to terms with that, like, that's okay, because there are some people who have made a lot of bad decisions and in some cases wrecked their lives. And so Mm -hmm. then there's a very defining turning point. And for me, I never did those things in my life. I never um, went out and partied, I never drank, smoked, any kind of drugs, nothing like that. So for me, growing up in the church, and I think just there were so many times where I just learned something new or God revealed his truth to me in a different way. And every opportunity, and I still do this to this day, every opportunity that someone would say, if you would like to accept Christ, you would like to accept Jesus. I say that prayer like every single time. Mm -hmm. And even now when I say it's not because I doubt that I'm unsaved or that I haven't asked Jesus into my heart. Like I just... I like praying that like I just want to follow and be obedient in that way but then you know maybe there is something that I'm that I haven't thought about or that I'm not aware of and I just yes God search my heart and if there's anything in me please forgive me for that Mm -hmm. um I think that keeps us humble it keeps us aware and even now like now that I'm older 
I'm so grateful for the way that God is still growing me and the truth that he's still revealing to me because, one, I don't know everything. And even as a leader, you know, we need to remain teachable. Uh, We haven't arrived at perfect salvation um, until we see Jesus when he comes for us or he calls us home. But I'm still so blown away that every time God opens up my eyes to something or I realize that I'm doing something or I've said something or behaved in a certain way, and I think it's almost like a new revelation because I just think I didn't think of it that way, and I see why that that happened or I see how that is hurtful and not helpful to me in my relationship with you, Jesus. I'm grateful for that, and God just keeps revealing yeah. new new things. And, you know, just for, I guess, anyone listening, too, you never have to feel guilty about the testimony that God has given you. Um, your testimony is your testimony based on the purpose that God is calling you to and how he's going to change you on the journey to where he's calling you. And mm-hmm. the journey is a destination because we're on a journey to eternity. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, your testimony is legitimate because it's a testimony that God has given you right. um, and what he's doing in your life. And it's not the same as someone else's, you know, don't go off on the wrong track just so that you can have something to tell people about or for God to redeem you. Don't be unnecessarily rebellious, you know, just have self-control and, and be, mm-hmm. think yeah. righteously, think in the right way. Those are good words. You know, uh, we tend to think that like, and we do have to provide opportunities for people to come into that place where sometimes we ask Jesus into our heart. Well, what does that look like, Mm -hmm. you know, to ask Jesus into your heart? And sometimes that language is a little hard to wrap around, but it's really just that we believe. Mm -hmm. Um, I think about the thief on the cross. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said today, you'll be with me in paradise. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's a certain, we have to say a certain word. It's the attitude of our heart. Mm -hmm. But I will say, I love what you're saying about, because I do the same thing when when you have that salvation prayer. Because really, we have to invite God into our lives on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not of, hey, I accepted Christ this day, and then I can go ahead and live my life the way I want to. It is really a life surrendered to Christ on a daily basis basis. I know that I'm not in charge of my salvation. Mm -hmm. I know who holds that. Also understand that we have a responsibility as believers to live that life. We all fail. We all fall short. And when we're convicted, it helps me to know that God actually has, is working in my life is the reason I feel conviction. And I love that. Mm -hmm. You were speaking to that. Like when I feel conviction and there are times I say, thank you, Lord, because I know you're still working on me. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are going to be made more like Christ, you know, as long as we're on this earth, um, given the mind of Christ. So, yeah, it's really exciting to see him working in our lives. And sometimes we make it so hard, this life that we live for Jesus. And holiness is really right relationship with God and right relationship with others. That's what it's all about, the relationships and how we live and interact with God and with each other. Um, That makes up the holy life. Um, So I think that's what I heard you saying. Yeah, yeah. And I'll just comment on that. That's so beautiful because I love that you mentioned that we make it so hard sometimes. The reality is, yes, we do make it so hard sometimes. Life is hard, but life is much sweeter with Jesus in it. Mm -hmm. And because life just seems so unbearable without him, really. I think that the reason that some people, and you know, I'll just, I'll say this, that there are some things that people really struggle with and they may struggle with that their whole life, but the reality is that God can still deliver them mm-hmm. from those kinds of things. Yeah. I think about the things in my own life that I struggle with and I say, sometimes I just 
get so worn out by them. And I think, you know, I've heard it said that there may be things in our life that because we live in a broken world and it's a reality that there'll be things that we struggle with our whole life. That doesn't mean they overcome us, but that we struggle with them. And then I thought, God, but I don't want that for my life. (laughs) You know, I don't have to live that way and I don't have to accept that. Maybe does that mean I have to be more intentional or uh, work a little bit harder? Not that just good things come by works. I'm not promoting that gospel. But uh, yeah, and so I think sometimes why um, a relationship with Jesus or a a Christian lifestyle, a right living lifestyle is so hard for us sometimes is that we, is that we resort to religion and that it's um, we try to live only by the rules. And so if we're going to resort to a life that's lived by religion, then we have to live by all the rules. Mm-hmm. And we can't do that. We can't mm-hmm. live up to that. And you look in the Bible, even the priests could not do that. Right. And Jesus clearly says, don't follow their example. So even if we could, our lives would be miserable <laughs> because it's not just about the rules. It's about the relationship. Mm-hmm. And so when you look about people criticizing the church or whatnot, I don't want to get into all that, but I think that we just make it harder because because we're only focused on the rules and that we have to live this way and live this right lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Well, a relationship with Jesus is a lifestyle. Yes. Um, but why don't we do certain things? And I use myself for an example. Why don't I curse or why don't I drink or why don't I live with someone I'm not married to? Well, it's not just because the Bible says not to, Jesus commands us not to, but because I have a relationship with Jesus. And that changes my life. And I look at things not through a worldly lens, but through the lens of Christ. And I have to say, I have to measure my life against that and say, I don't want to break the heart of Jesus. You know, if crucify him again, (laughs) exactly. I have to know that that way of living has to go away, not just because someone is telling me to, but because I don't desire to live that anymore. And I think that that's also part of it, too, is that you. And hey, some people may say, well, I still have that desire. And I say, okay, well, are you feeding that desire? You know, where is that coming from? You know, and I'm not perfect by any means. And there's still things that I struggle with, but it's the things that I pray for help the most. And then I think, okay, what am I doing to combat this? What am I putting my focus? And, um, you know, I want to honor Jesus with my life and do these things. Are these things honoring things? Yeah. Yeah, and I think if we look at, and I'm just getting this picture right now, of we have ways that we take in through our senses, mm-hmm. taste, touch, smell, through hearing, and then we have a way that we take in. That's the way we take in God's creation. We also take a lot in from the world in that way, and there's another way that we take in, and that is through the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. through being still and um, I've been reading a book recently and it's someone who had an addiction and he says he doesn't matter what your addiction is no matter what it could be shopping it could be Facebook like it could be one of the seen addictions that we see so easily say addiction to uh, substance but it's anything that takes the place of the divine love of Christ it's anything, whether it's gossip, whether it's unforgiveness, like anything that comes between us and the love of Christ that we place in, it becomes an idol that we focus on. God just wants to have that place in relationship that we would want him more than anything else in this world. And he is faithful to provide everything that we need for life and for godliness but it's really hard because we see these things around us that feel like and these things that give us momentary satisfaction but that may bring conviction Mm -hmm. later Um, and 
So the great thing is, is Jesus is ready and waiting for us, right? Yeah. He is ready and waiting. Um, the God of grace just desiring for us to walk with him. A couple of the things I thought about as you were talking, you know, about it not being a religion, but relationship is the song that said it's not in trying, but in trusting. It's not in running, but in resting. Mm. And uh, those are just, you know, oftentimes I think that's why we talked about making it too hard sometimes. Well, that's why we rely on our own strength instead of God's strength, just Mm -hmm. surrendering our lives to him and letting him lead and guide us and just uh, share you know, anything, you know, about your life right now, what God's doing in your life and how he's using you and just, uh, yeah, what's going on and any encouragement that you have or, you know, let us know that the gospel is still the good news. Yeah, absolutely. So I just, I before I answer that question, Grayson, I want to say something that just caught my mind, just a memory uh, based on what you were talking about and surrender. And this would go back to uh, me being in high school. You know, every family, no matter if they're a good family, has a bit of dysfunction. Oh, in yes, it. absolutely. And <laughs> tell me yours don't. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that would be, uh, I would be lying. Anybody. Anybody. Yeah, anybody. Yeah. Um, Since Adam and Eve. Since Adam and Eve. But I just, so in my high school years, um, home life was a bit tough. And um, not because I didn't have good parents, but because there was a lot of arguing in the house. And if you think about it, that'll just, like, one, drive anyone crazy, but um, just really tears apart at the peace and the wholeness of relationship, of home living. And so I kid you not, like, every time I think back to youth group when I was in high school, and, of course, um, being in high school, we had a few different youth pastors, but I remember when Chris Meek was here, and he wasn't here very long, but I remember him speaking on surrender and it's not really a joke but I feel like that is the only thing that he ever preached about like every single youth night that we have and I think back then it was on Wednesdays and I'm sure that's not true but that's what I remember is that him preaching on surrender and one of the things that it helped me with is that I was surrendering being mad at my sister or hating my sister or not loving her um, because I felt like she was making home life difficult. That's not to say that I wasn't or that my brother wasn't. I think it was just more constant with her. And I'm not throwing her under the bus, just from my point of view, my experience. And so that helped me so much Mm. because it helped me just into the future, just to constantly surrender that to the Lord that no matter what, I'm not going to hate my sister, even if I struggle to love her. Um, And of course I do love her, that I'm not going to hate her. And it was a constant surrender for me, like a year or more. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And just to surrender and surrender and surrender and surrender. And that's really what surrender Mm -hmm. is. It's a constant laying down of whatever Mm -hmm. the issue is that is consuming you or keeping you one from being in a right relationship with Jesus or not enthroning those things on your heart or in your focus and so I will always be so grateful for that but that's one thing that I Mm. always always remember that I learned like one of the only things that I remember out of all the messages I've heard I think that was the only one surrender and it's like plagued my whole memory of anything that I heard in high school which I'm totally fine with because it's helped me it really has helped me now does that mean I'm perfect at surrender now definitely not 
you know, but I realize how important mm-hmm. that is. And so that has helped me. Um, and it's helped me see my sister through a different lens as well, a better one. But to go on to the second part of your question. So I am now the director of mm-hmm. worship for a Spanish campus here at the church. And wow, what a roller coaster ride. <laughs> I guess I would say that it has been a good one. Um, a really, really good one, not a scary one. But God has been so good. And when I think about this whole process of how it came about, I was actually preparing to go uh, for a couple months to be in au pair in France for Mm -hmm. a couple that used to live here, but they're moving back just with the company that they work for. And I was planning to do that. Um, And I had already been working and volunteering to do the worship for the Spanish campus um, because our pastor had moved on to something else. And um, so I was helping with that. And that was only supposed to be three months. Well, six months later, I'm still doing it. We don't have a new worship pastor. (laughs) And uh, Pastor Sam had asked me if I would do the worship. Mm -hmm. And so humbly, of course. And um, so I received that and I thought about it. And actually the day that I was supposed to answer, I didn't because I knew that I would have said no. And so I'm so grateful that Pastor Sam didn't ask me that day because I would have said no. And I knew that that's not what I wanted to say, but I was struggling with saying yes. And once I said yes, then it was like 100% peace, which is just so funny. (laughs) But it was so great. I just look at how the Lord has grown me from when I started, even just from volunteering and even just from when I was actually on staff here and just how much I've grown. And I look back on that and I just look at the things that God's doing in my life and I think to myself, who are you? Um, (laughs) And it's just so cool to see that and just to be open to that. That's not always easy to think about like what God is doing or even to let him do those things. But our worship group has grown so much spiritually and away from fear. Mm, And that's that's one thing. And God really just helped me to speak with authority. And I'm so for speaking in the authority of Christ. Amen. Because I think that we don't do it enough. By far, we don't do it enough. And I believe 100% that we could overcome so many more things if we would speak in the authority of Christ. Mm -hmm. And some people think that that, like we were talking about prophecy earlier, that you have to be a prophet or be prophetic to say those things. And no, what that looks like is just declaring God's power over the things that are trying to consume you. Mm -hmm. And there were so many times in, in my life, and I even still do this now, like when the enemy tries to lie to me or he tries to tell me something that I know is not true, I have the option to believe him if I want and be sad and just woe is me and think those things or I can say God this is how I'm feeling and I know that just because I'm feeling this way doesn't make it true Amen. but here's what's true yeah. about me and so I just speak his truth Sometimes it's a struggle. You feel that tension because you want to believe the lie. But just to speak in authority. Look, God clearly says that the same power that raised Jesus lives in us. And there's so much power in that. And I just wish so many more people would grab onto that and just speak over their own life and speak over the lives of the people that they know. And how much would change? How much more would we grow? How much more would we change if we did that? And I'm so for that. And I see how God has used that in the ministry that he has put me over. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that um, for those who are being loyal in the ministry and they're allowing God to work in them and change and they mm-hmm. see where it needs to change and they have the courage to do that. Yeah. Again, we know that courage doesn't mean the absence of fear or um, 100%, you know, on board, but just that if we would speak with the authority of Christ, that is part of our inheritance mm-hmm. that Amen. we have Amen. that opportunity. And God is like giving it to us as a gift, not because we deserve it, but as a gift. Like we don't ever use 
just the gift. We don't ever engage that. And so I just like, I just encourage people to do that and to not rebuking people, not like condemning people, but to speak empower. over the lies. Yeah. And mm-hmm. to empower people. And I tell you what, this, when we were still meeting in church and this really identified, I guess something that I was doing, like, I don't know that identified is the right word, but I guess characterized part of me as a leader. And because I had to just speak it over us every Sunday morning, like literally face to face and to call it on. The Gethsemane room used to be upstairs here on the balcony. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's where our team would meet every Sunday morning mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. our service would begin. And so sometimes after everyone left the room, just because I would feel so much pressure and shortness mm-hmm. of breath, I would just declare that over myself. I literally would, you are a daughter of Christ. God has called you to this task and you would do it because you believe that God is on your side and you want to be faithful. And uh, the Lord says he is by your right side. So that means he is right next to you. And that doesn't mean that fear is going to disappear, but it means that I don't have to give in to fear. I don't have to empower my fear or give it control over me. And I just think, and I tell you what, like that's so much part of my testimony because this position hasn't been easy. You know, I lead from the front and I realize the spiritual aspect that comes with my position. It's so weight because God has given me a place to speak and not everyone should and can speak from the platform. It is a very spiritual position. And so I realize that and I ask God to help me feel the weight of the burden. Uh, And it's not always a burden. I think we get the wrong idea about burden, but just the weight of my position and what I'm doing so that I, yeah, the responsibility so that I don't ever take it lightly. Um, Like we are asking the presence of God to come and dwell with us in worship and we're making space for his Holy Spirit to come. And I, as a worship leader and my team have a responsibility to wave the lantern uh, for the people to come and for the spirit to welcome the spirit. And I realized that that is part of my job. And so I know that there's no room for fear on the stage. Right. And uh, there's one thing the enemy doesn't like, and that is worship leaders. Mm -hmm. Like that really goes against the enemy. Mm -hmm. And so we know that there is attack there. And I'm so grateful today just to hear you say that you are stepping in and you're praying. You're not just stepping in blindly, but you are asking for covering for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that is powerful. Mm -hmm. That is powerful. Well, Amanda, thank you for sharing uh, with us today and encouraging us and emboldening and empowering us. And Mm. uh, so thank you for joining and sharing with us. Absolutely. Thank you, Grayson. Thank you. too. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. We pray that Amanda Montanez's testimony has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Front Porch Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.